Lord Jesus and Heavenly Father, we thank you oh so much for the many things you've already blessed us with. Now, the blessed opportunity once again to gather in your house and to get into your word. Help us now as we continue our studies as we pray in Jesus' precious holy name. Amen. Continuing our Exploring the Word series in the book of the Corinthians, the letter of Paul to the church at Corinth, helping them get established as a God-glorifying church and dealing with many things that they were dealing with. And here in chapter 7, he addresses some interesting concerns as far as the relationship between man and woman. A lot of what he tells here, as he points out, is his attitude, his opinion, his way, not necessarily directly from any scripture that he was referring to, but what he feels would be a good guidance how to behave as far as your relationships with each other. As it reads in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, Now concerning the things whereof ye wrote unto me, it is good for a man not to touch a woman. Nevertheless, to avoid fornication, let every man have his own wife, and let every woman have her own husband. Let the husband render unto the wife due benevolence, and likewise also the wife unto the husband. The wife hath not power of her own body, but the husband. Likewise also the husband hath not power of his own body, but the wife. Defraud ye not one the other, except it be with consent for a time, that ye may give yourselves to fasting and prayer, and come together again, that Satan tempt you not for your incontinency. But I speak this by permission and not of commandment. He's letting you know that there's things that he thinks might work out well for you. It isn't that the Lord is commanding us to be separate and be celibate and not be together. The Lord guides individuals, leads individuals in the ministry and in a way that he wants them to be. We just merely need to yield to the will of the Lord. Pray for understanding and follow that. And Paul, given his opinion here, Paul being so dedicated to service for the Lord, he didn't want any personal distractions of any sort. So that's why he's recommending what he started out with there that is good for a man not to touch a woman. But as he continues, For I would that all men were even as I myself, but every man hath his proper gift of God, one after this manner and another after that. Some men are called to be the father of a great family, many children, as we've seen in the past, in the Old Testament, that it was a, a real blessing to be a parent of many children. So that was their calling. But then others, like Paul here, he was by himself. I say, therefore, to the unmarried and widows, it is... Good for them if they abide even as I. But if they cannot contain, let them marry, for it is better to marry than to burn. Now this burning isn't talking about burning in hell. This burning is that burning desire to have a relationship with someone that that could lead you to a lot of misery and possibly sin. 
Verse 10, And unto the married I command, yet not I, but the Lord. Let not the wife depart from her husband. Now he's getting into some scriptures where the Lord was talking about divorce and so forth. But, and if she depart, let her remain unmarried or be reconciled to her husband. And let not the husband put away his wife. But to the rest speak I, not the Lord. Note here again, he said, now this is my opinion. In other words, if any brother hath a wife that believeth not, and she is pleased to dwell with him, let him not put her away. And the woman which hath an husband that believeth not, and if he be pleased to dwell with her, let her not leave him. For the unbelieving husband is sanctified by the wife, and the unbelieving wife is sanctified by the husband, else were your children unclean, but now are they holy. But if the unbelieving depart, let him depart. A brother or sister is not under bondage in such cases, but God hath called us to peace. For what knowest thou, O wife, whether thou shalt save thy husband, thy husband, or how knowest thou, O man, whether thou shalt save thy wife? Some people get into a relationship with someone who is lost, a Christian that then falls in love with somebody who is not a Christian and thinks that they will be able to convert that person. If they could just marry them, they'll have more control over them, and then they can get them in church and so forth. That So many times it ends in disaster. Sometimes it works out, but sometimes it doesn't. And in the situation that he spoke of there previously about how you have a couple that are unsaved and one of them gets saved, then that one that gets saved might be able to influence the other and lead them to the Lord as well. But sometimes it doesn't work. Verse 17, But as God hath distributed to every man, as the Lord hath called every one, so let him walk, and so ordain I in all churches. It's like, Find out what your calling is. If your calling is to be a married person with a bunch of kids, then fulfill that calling. If you're called to just be by yourself, then go with that. Just stay in the will of the Lord is basically what he's saying. Verse 18, Is any man called being circumcised? Let him not become uncircumcised. Is any called in circumcision? Let him not be circumcised. Circumcision is nothing. And uncircumcision is nothing but the keeping of the commandments of God. Let every man abide in the same calling wherein he was called. Because the circumcision is the Old Testament, the Old Covenant, the symbol of the Old Covenant. So in the New Covenant time, the New Testament time, circumcision is made void. But if you get saved and you've already been circumcised because of your faith in the Lord, you've got circumcised, then there's nothing you can do about that. Ain't no undoing that. But if you're not circumcised and in the New Testament times, you become born again, don't go back and be circumcised because that's the old covenant. The old the commandment, as he's talking about there. But that's the old. It's not part of the new covenant. Because now we become cut away of the flesh is not physical cutting away. It's cutting away of the desires of the flesh and becoming more spiritual in the New Testament.
21, Art thou called being a servant? Care not for it. But if thou mayest be made free, use it rather. For he that is called in the Lord, being a servant, is the Lord's free man. Likewise also he that is called being free is Christ's servant. Ye are bought with a price. Be not ye the servants of men. Brethren, let every man wherein he is called therein abide with God. Now, concerning virgins, I have no commandment of the Lord. Yet I give my judgment as one that hath obtained mercy of the Lord to be faithful. I suppose, therefore, that this is good for the person distressed. I say that it is good for a man so to be. Art thou bound unto a wife? Seek not to be loosed. Art thou loose from a wife? Seek not a wife. But, and if thou marry, thou hast not sinned. And if a virgin marry, she hath not sinned. Nevertheless, such shall have trouble in the flesh, but I spare you. But this I say, brethren, the time is short. It remaineth that both they that have wives be as though they had none. And they that weep as though they wept not. And they that rejoice as though they rejoiced not. And they that buy as though they possessed not. And they that use this world as not abusing it for the fashion of this world passeth away. Everything is fleeting away. Like James talks about. It's just a vapor. Don't be so focused on things in this temporal world, the temporary situation that we're in, that that be your total focus. Got to remember, he's pointing out here, generally speaking, that everything is fleeting away. It's not going to last. Don't be so obsessed about things that are just of this world. But I would have you without carefulness or overly concerned for something, being worried, being weary, He that is unmarried careth for the things that belongeth to the Lord, how he may please the Lord. But he that is married careth for the things that are of the world, how he may please his wife. See, we need to put things in their proper order, proper perspective, proper preference, and importance. What is most important to you should be the Lord. You should always put the Lord utmost important in your life. And then everything else down below that. So even comes to your relationship with your husband or your wife. It's more important to follow the will of the Lord, to put the Lord first, even above your family. That's what he's speaking of there. There is difference also between a wife and a virgin. The unmarried woman careth for the things of the Lord, that she may be holy both in body and in spirit. But she that is married careth for the things of the world, how she may please her husband. And this I speak for your own profit, not that I may cast a snare upon you, but for that which is comely, and that ye may attend upon the Lord without distraction. When you devote your life to serving the Lord, Fully devote your life to serving the Lord. 
don't have distractions that become more important than serving the Lord. As a married couple, you unite as one, and then that one body serve the Lord primarily. And that works for married or single individuals. To always put the Lord first, not to put each other and each other's needs above serving the Lord. But if any man think that he behaveth himself uncomely toward his virgin, if, if she pass the flower of her age and need so require, let him do what he will, he sinneth not, let them marry. Nevertheless, he that standeth steadfast in his heart, having no necessity, but hath power over his own will, and hath so decreed in his heart that he will keep his virgin, doeth well. So then he that giveth her in marriage doeth well, but he that giveth her not in marriage doeth better. The wife is bound by the law as long as her husband liveth. But if her husband be dead, she is at liberty to be married to whom she will only in the Lord. But she is happier if she so abide after my judgment. And I think also that I have the Spirit of God. They're finishing up in verse 40, once again, saying, this is my opinion, but I think I'm influenced by the Spirit of God to give you this opinion and my opinion on these situations of married and unmarried. All right, roll on into chapter 8. Now, as touching things offered unto idols, Getting into things offered unto idols, he's talking about the animals that were sacrificed to the pagan gods and the consumption of such animals. It was forbidden for a Jew to consume such things. And he's addressing that here. Now, as touching things offered unto idols, we know that we all have knowledge. Knowledge puffed up, but charity edifieth. Sometimes you can get so puffed up with arrogance because you have so much knowledge and then you become so critical of all things around you that it isn't really beneficial. This charity he's speaking of here is a real concern for other people, not just handing out donations. It's having a sincere concern for someone else as well as He's speaking here of their spiritual needs in their situation. When you're dealing with the pagans of the world, have concern for them. And just because you have so much knowledge about the Word of the Lord, the will of the Lord, doesn't make you a judge over them in a condemning way. If they're doing something that you know they shouldn't be doing and you come in there all puffed up with arrogance and pride and self-righteousness that you beat them down, you haven't lifted them up and helped them. It's delicate there. We need to present people the salvation message in a way with meekness and fear. That's a power of influence on somebody under control and the fear of accountability the way we do it. Now, as touching things offered unto idols, we know that we all have knowledge. Knowledge puffeth up, but charity edifieth. 
And if any man think that he knoweth anything, he knoweth nothing yet as he ought to know. Like, don't get so highfalutin that you think you know everything because that's when you find out you don't know anything. But if any man love God, the same is known of him. As concerning, therefore, the eating of those things that are offered in sacrifice unto idols, we know that an idol is nothing in the world and that there is none other God but one. For though there be that are called gods, whether in heaven or in earth, as there be gods many and lords many. Like all the many various pagan gods that they looked up to, worshipped the stars and, and the idols that they crafted and animals and so forth. But to us there is but one God, the Father, of whom are all things, and we in him and one Lord Jesus Christ, by whom are all things, and we by him. Howbeit, there is not in every man that knowledge, for some with conscience of the idol unto this hour eat it as a thing offered unto an idol, and their conscience being weak is defiled. Someone who consciously eats something sacrificed to the idol as a part of the ritual of worshiping that idol, that's where the defiling comes in. But meat commendeth us not to God, neither if we eat for we the better, neither if we eat not are we the worse. Like whether you eat or not, it's not going to bother you. But take heed, lest by any means this liberty of yours become a stumbling block to them that are weak. Like, if we were to eat something that was laid out for you to eat, you go over to somebody's house and they're going to lay out a big meal for you, and it's actually a, a feast that was a sacrificed animal, and you eat it, to you, it's not going to bother you one way or the other. Unless you're eating it in a form of worship of that idol, then you have erred. But if you do that in a way that it hurts somebody else because they're seeing you do it and then they're thinking, well, they shouldn't be doing that because that was sacrificed unto an idol, then you have hurt someone else's walk with the Lord. That's where it becomes a problem. For if any man see thee, like see you eat that, they're watching you, well, look, he went in there to ate that stuff that was sacrificed to the idol, and then that hurts your testimony. For if any man see thee, which, which has knowledge, sit at meat, if the idols in the idol's temple, shall not the conscience of him which is weak be emboldened to eat those things which are offered to idols? Like, oh, well, he's doing it. It must be okay for me to participate in those services as well. And through thy knowledge shall the weak brother perish for whom Christ died. But when ye sin so against the brethren and wound their weak conscience, ye sin against Christ. It's so important that we always consider our testimony to others, our behavior, what we're doing that is being witnessed by the ones that are 
under conviction, about to be saved, watching you, or those that are newly saved Christians that are watching you, your behavior, what you do, what you don't do, when they should be watching Christ. But they don't. They start watching the Christians first. We've got to be very careful with that. That we not do things that's going to hurt their walk with the Lord. Creating a stumbling block, as he says, for them. Wherefore, if meat make thy brother to offend... I will eat no flesh while the world standeth, lest I make my brother to offend. Like He knowing himself is not going to make any difference in his spiritual walk. But if he does something that he knows is going to upset somebody else's spiritual walk, he's going to not do that thing because he don't want to damage someone else's spiritual walk. Whether it be this eating of the meat or whatever it might be. That if you're around somebody and somebody's watching you and you're doing something that you know good and well is no big deal whether you do it or don't do it in your relationship with the Lord, but in their eyes that would be something that would be contrary to being obedient to the Lord, we got to be careful what we do. Don't do things in front of people that they would feel is ungodly, whether it is eating something that you're not supposed to be eating or going someplace you're not supposed to be going, or whatever it might be, however it may be applied, we've got to be very careful with our testimony not to hurt others and their walk. Because as he said in there before, all things are lawful, but all things are not expedient. We will not lose our salvation if we do things that are sinful, but we will damage our rewards We can damage our testimony. We can mess up our blessings and our walk with the Lord. So therefore, we've got to be very careful with everything that we say, everything that we do, everywhere we go, everything we participate in, everything that we show the world that we endorse or support as well. We've got to be very careful with all that. Because the world is watching and the Lord is watching. I'm going to hold us accountable for everything. I will run into chapter 9. Am I not an apostle? Am I not free? Have I not seen Jesus Christ our Lord? Are not ye my work in the Lord? If I be not an apostle unto others, yet doubtless I am to you, for the seal, seal of mine apostleship are ye in the Lord. Mine answer to them that do examine me is this. Have we not power to eat and to drink? Have we not power to lead about a sister, a wife, as well as other apostles, and as the brethren of the Lord and Cephas? Or I only and Barnabas have not we power to forbear working, who goeth a warfare any time at his own charges? Who planteth a vineyard and eateth not of the fruit thereof? Or who feedeth a flock, and eateth not of the milk of the flock? Say I these things as a man, or saith not the law the same also? For it is written, If the law of, in the law of Moses thou shalt not muzzle the mouth of the ox that treadeth out the corn, doth God take care for oxen? Or saith he it altogether for our sakes? For our sakes. No doubt. This is written that he that ploweth should plow in hope, and that he that 
thresheth in hope should be partaker of his hope. If we have sown unto you spiritual things, is it a great thing if we shall reap your carnal things? If others be partakers of this power over you, are not we rather? Nevertheless, we have not used this power, but suffer all things lest we should hinder the gospel of Christ. Do ye not know that they which minister about holy things live of the things of the temple? And they which wait at the altar are partakers with the altar. Now verse 13 here helps kind of clarify what he's talking about. If you go back to the Old Testament, the Levites were chosen to be this, the family that would look after the temple, that would take care of the things in the temple and deal with the sacrifices and the, 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 the priests and so forth that were there. The priests and the priest's family would actually eat, talking about that flesh earlier, eat the things that were sacrificed to the Lord. Sometimes the, the sacrifices were burned up completely, nothing left. But other times the sacrifices were made, the, the blood was taken and sprinkled upon the altar. But the animal was not put upon the altar and the animal was not burned on the altar. Those animals were actually used for the food of the priest and the priest's family, the Levites. That's where they got their substance. And the donations that were given to the temple and so forth helped fund the things that the, the families that were a part of the temple needed. And that's the same way that today churches support their pastors with a salary. It's the same thing he's talking about here. He's talking about how it shouldn't be no big thing if they help minister to the ministers by the carnal things, which would be their physical needs in the world. Because they are supplying the spiritual needs of the congregation. And that's what he's addressing here. Old Testament way carries over into the New Testament way that you look after those that are devoted to serving the Lord and you provide them with their needs as directed by the Lord. Even so hath the Lord ordained that they which preach the gospel should live of the gospel. It's like that's the primary thing that the the preachers, the devoted preachers, the pastors depend upon is reaping the benefits of the ministry that they are a part of, the benefits that they need, the necessities that they need. That's why you see many churches have a parish or a place set aside for a pastor. They provide a pastor with a, a home and with insurance and with with money and with vehicle and medical needs, whatever it might be. There are insurances. They provide them with all that stuff. Some churches actually do that. But I have used none of these things. No, Paul here, he's a little bit different. He's not tapping into that. Paul actually had a little side business of making tents with Aquila and Priscilla, making his own money. Because Paul was so so uh, widely spread, you might say. He went to so many different places. His mission field was so broad that he didn't just depend on any one particular church for his substance that he needed. So he provided a lot of that himself. But I have used none of these 
things, neither have I written these things that it should be so done unto me. For it were better for me to die than that any man should make my glorying void. For though I preach the gospel, I have nothing to glory of. For necessity is laid upon me, yea, woe is unto me if I preached not the gospel. He's like, he's going to preach the gospel whether anybody supports him or not. Reads, for if I do this thing willingly, I have a reward. But if against my will, a dispensation of the gospel is committed unto me, what is my reward then? Verily, that when I preach the gospel, I may make the gospel of Christ without charge, that I abuse not my power in the gospel. For though I be free from all men, yet have I made myself servant unto all, that I might gain the more. See, this being free, he wasn't committed to any one particular church or any one particular group or individual that he had to be obedient to them or that in a way that he was dependent upon them. You see this with some preachers that are so careful about every little thing that they say because they're afraid that they're going to get kicked out or fired from their position. They are so dependent upon the money that they're getting from the church that they change their their preaching. They change the way they relate to others because they're so fearful of losing that life that they have depended upon the substance that comes from that church. That's what he's speaking of here. He's not that way. Reason unto the Jews, I came as a Jew that I might gain the Jews. To them that are under the law, as under the law, that I might gain them that are under the law. To them that are without law, as without law, being not without law to God, but under the law to Christ. That I might gain them that are without law. To the weak became I as weak, that I might gain the weak. I am made all things to all men that I might by all means save some. And this I do for the gospel's sake that I might be partaker thereof with you. Know ye not that they which run in a race run all, but one receiveth the prize, so run that ye may obtain. And every man that striveth for the mastery is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible. I therefore so run, not as uncertainly, so fight I, not as one that batteth the air. But I keep under my body and bring it into subjection, lest by any means when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. He's got his things in order. He's got his focus. He's got his priority. When it comes to relationships with women, when it comes to relationship with the ministry, he is not dependent upon others. He's not focusing on a wife or children. He's focusing on serving the Lord, and he's dependent upon the Lord for everything. Didn't put himself under subjection or control of anybody else in that way to give him the freedom to preach what he felt needed to be preached, whether anybody liked it or not. And that's awesome that he was in that situation. All right, let's close and we'll get back into it in chapter 10 next time. Let's pray. Lord Jesus and Heavenly Father, we thank you oh, so much for your word. Oh, so many things that we're dealing with. that is, It's amazing when we look into your word. 
written so long ago, but yet applies so well today and definitely will apply tomorrow as well. Help us always have that hunger to dig in there to find that message you want us to receive. Thank you so much as we pray in Jesus' precious holy name. Amen. Thank you all.